president opted to keep his old pal Roger Stone out of prison because what's a little lying to Congress between friends? The Washington football team is finally changing their name. And you're talking with Rebecca Nagel, member of the Cherokee Nation and host of the Crooked Media podcast, This Land, about last week's historic Supreme Court decision on tribal rights. The date, July 13th, 2020. The time, News O'Clock. Hey, friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Before we dive in, Casey, I have to address something that I saw online right before we started recording, and that is the fact that... Miss Velma Dinkley of Scooby-Doo is officially gay. She is gay as the day is long, and I am very pleased by this. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I'm pleased, too. It's always nice when you saw someone growing up and you're going, they're gay. And then finally, (laughs) and then finally, someone's like, yep, you're right. They're gay. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. And this is according to Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated's uh, producer, Tony Cervone, who said this on Instagram. And then James Gunn, who directed Mm. the classic. Scooby-Doo live action movie back in 2002 confirmed on Twitter that she was meant to be gay in the movie but the studios watered it down until they cut it out entirely uh-huh, so I'm glad uh-huh. that we finally get this moment I, as someone who had a long time crush on Velma back in the day <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a little saddened inside but you know what the win for the lesbian community is a win and I, I stand by them and this decision you know what not just the lesbian community the queer community in general Correct. Okay, it's time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. President Donald Trump commuted the prison sentence of longtime ally Roger Stone on Friday, the latest example of his shielding an ally from the justice system. Stone was supposed to be starting a 40-month stint in prison today after a jury convicted him of lying to Congress and tampering with witnesses during the Russia investigation. Back in 2016, Stone gave the Trump campaign a heads-up that WikiLeaks would be dropping Hillary Clinton's emails, which had been stolen by Russian hackers. And according to the Mueller report, he said as much in a phone call with then-candidate Trump. For months, Stone has been bragging about how he hadn't rolled over on the president and has clearly been angling for Trump to intervene. He got his wish on Friday evening with the sentence commuted. His conviction, however, remains in place. Meanwhile, confirmed COVID-19 cases have continued to rise across the United States, and the death toll is beginning to tick back up as well. This weekend, Florida reported the highest one-day increase of any state ever. 15,299 people tested positive on Sunday. That broke the previous record of 11,694 cases set by California last Wednesday. But nationwide delays in testing are setting in as the laboratories that process them are backed up again. In some states, results aren't being provided for four to five days after the tests performed or more, far longer than the 24 hours health experts recommend. And after months of declining, the COVID-19 death toll has begun to climb again, with trackers, including BuzzFeed News' own dashboard, showing an increase over the last seven days. Experts are still hopeful that the country won't hit the over 2,000 deaths per day peak we saw in April, but it'll be weeks before we get a true sense of how deadly this current surge is. And while the U.S. has the most coronavirus cases and deaths in the world, things are looking grim in other countries as well. South Africa's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, warned his country in a speech yesterday that, quote, the storm is upon us. In the face of 12,000 new cases daily, Ramaphosa ordered an immediate halt of alcohol sales to stop people from gathering and made mask wearing mandatory. Over a quarter million South Africans have contracted COVID-19 so far. In Israel, 
Protests against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's handling of the pandemic have been growing. The country's top public health official resigned last week, saying that Netanyahu had reopened the Israeli economy too quickly. In the span of a few weeks, Israel went from having about 100 cases a day to over 1,000. And in Sweden, which has been praised by some for not instituting lockdowns at all, the result has been both a slew of COVID-19 deaths and economic distress. 5,536 people have died of the virus as of today. That may not sound like a lot, but per million people, it's 40% worse than the death toll in the U.S. But yeah, those numbers are rough. I, I don't know. It's tough because, you know, when it, at the beginning of this, when the U.S. was struggling and other countries were struggling initially, and then we had New Zealand that was like, lockdown, everyone, let's get this out. And it kind of felt like, you know, it's like, okay, things are a little bit optimistic, but it, it the world is entirely struggling. Absolutely. And um, what's really interesting is how many countries are facing this issue that the U.S. is, which is to say that at the first sign of some success at getting a handle on this virus, they done deal, open back up. Like, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen in the United Kingdom because they have their pubs and restaurants back open. And if there's one stereotype that's really effing true, the Brits love their pubs. And so I'm really sure that they're not social distancing properly. And I, I'm a little scared to see where their rates go in the near future. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Also, I have some a follow a follow up question for Roger Stone and Trump. What has like the political reaction been to this, i.e. the election in November? Is this like a good move for Trump. I'm just not positive. It just looks like he's helping out a best friend kind of situation. You know? He is. He is. And there's been a lot of talk of online, especially about like how this is another sign of Trump's corruption. It's basically the sort of thing that uh, the sort of quid pro quo that we he got impeached over where Stone did not give investigators the information that they wanted. And he knew that he would get something out of it. Stone knew that he would not be going to jail for this. And so the counter question, I guess, that I have is, will Republicans do anything about this, especially those in Congress? And the answer so far looks like big old no. They will not be doing anything about this. Oy. Great. Mm. Casey, what's got your attention on this Monday? Well, actually, two bits of sad news out of Hollywood. First, officials confirmed today that they've identified former Glee star Naya Rivera's body, which was found during a search of Lake Piru outside of Los Angeles. The actor went missing last week while boating with her four-year-old son. And Kelly Marie Preston, the actor and longtime wife of John Travolta, passed away of breast cancer over the weekend. Preston was known for her roles in the movies Twins and Jerry Maguire, where she played the lead character's fiance. And she and Travolta got married back in 1991 and had three kids, Ella, Benjamin, and Jet, who died of a seizure in 2009. In a statement, a representative of Preston said the family had chosen to keep the fact that she had cancer secret as she was undergoing treatment over the last two years. Travolta himself issued a statement via Instagram on Sunday saying that Preston, quote, fought a courageous fight with the love and support of so many. Preston was 57 years old. And in other news outside of Hollywood, the Washington football team finally announced this morning that they're officially retiring their name and are on the hunt for a new one. Native American activists have pushed for years to have the Washington team change their name on the grounds that Redskins is clearly derogatory. But back in 2013, team owner Dan Snyder went so far as to say that the team would never change its name. Well, uh, never is finally here. A couple weeks ago, sponsors like FedEx, which has naming rights on the team stadium, said they'd pull funding without a new name. 
The team then launched a review process, and this morning they put out a statement saying that the old name and logo are officially retired. We still don't know what the new name will be, but according to the Washington Post, the name Snyder and the team's head coach prefer is currently tied up in a trademark dispute. I am so curious to what that name could be. Like, what is the name that they want that is so out of reach for them right now? I I want all the details on this. I know, I know. I want I want to be a fly on the wall in that room. I'm actually incredibly anxious about if this will be good or bad. Like, what what direct? I mean, we all want good, but they don't have a they don't have a good track record. Oh. They don't. Washington as a whole doesn't really have a good track record for renaming sports teams. Because I remember I was actually a kid in Washington, D.C. back in the like late 90s when the Washington Bullets were the basketball team. They're like, no, we have to change this name because we do not like this association with shootings. And they came up with the Washington Wizards, which I don't the Bullets is not a good name, but I, the Wizards is a worse name. So it'll be hard for them to have a more racist name for the football team. But will it be a good name? Question. <laughs> Mark. When we come back, we're talking to journalist and This Land podcast host Rebecca Nagel about last week's historic Supreme Court ruling on native land in Oklahoma. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno-history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season, now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Welcome back. In a historic case that was decided on Thursday of last week, the Supreme Court ruled that nearly half of Oklahoma still counts as Native American territory, belonging to the Muscogee Creek Nation. Here with us to discuss the McGirt v. Oklahoma ruling and what it means for the future of Native tribes is journalist, Cherokee Nation citizen, and host of the Crooked Media podcast, This Land, Rebecca Nagel. Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. 
Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start with this case, McGirt versus Oklahoma. I'm sure a lot of people aren't really familiar with it. Can you fill us in on some of the basics? Yeah. So basically, the case originated out of a criminal conviction in Oklahoma. Um, Mr. McGirt uh, asserted in his appeal to the Supreme Court that the state of Oklahoma didn't have jurisdiction to convict him because the crime occurred on the reservation of Muskogee Creek Nation. Um, And the Supreme Court applied a really straightforward, black and white, simple test of, you know, did Congress guarantee Muskogee Creek Nation a reservation? And was there any subsequent law or act where Congress um, disestablished or took away that reservation? So the answer to the first question is yes. You know, we have treaties where the reservation is clearly established. And then in answer to the second question, there's no law that Mm -hmm. where Congress has ever disestablished the reservation. And so Gorsuch and writing for the majority um, basically just said that, you know, said that I think one of my favorite lines from the decision is just, you know, as the Supreme Court, you know, he said, we're going to hold the government to its word. Mm. Right. That decision, which was, again, 5-4 in favor of McGirt and the tribe, came as a surprise to a lot of people with, like you said, the majority opinion written by Judge Gorsuch. In its conclusion, he wrote, quote, Many of the arguments today follow a sadly familiar pattern. Yes, promises were made, but the price of keeping them has become too great, so now we should cast a blind eye. We reject that thinking. How did it feel to see that opinion on Thursday morning? It was really emotional. You know, um, I cried, I screamed, you know, I think a lot of folks from, you know, the five tribes here in Oklahoma and just across Indian country had a really, really, you know, emotional reaction. I think that, you know, we knew the law was on our side, um, but we didn't know whether or not it would be followed. Um, because what happens so often when these cases end up in the courts is that, the courts find creative ways to not follow the law and to not affirm treaty rights. But that's not what happened last week. So I saw a lot of commentary afterwards that we shouldn't have been surprised by Gorsuch's opinion based on his past rulings mm-hmm. regarding native land and treaties. Had you been banking on his being the deciding vote? Yeah, I had been positive that Gorsuch would rule for the tribes. And I had actually been hoping, as had a lot of other people, that he would author the opinion. And so Mm. when that was actually the first thing that I looked for was who wrote the opinion. And when I saw it was Gorsuch um, was when I just started sobbing because I knew that it was going to be a really strong opinion for Native rights. The thing with Gorsuch is that he's a textualist. And a lot of conservative Mm. judges say that. And then when it comes to treaty rights and Native rights, all the text gets kind of chucked out the window, but not Gorsuch, you know, and if you read his decision, you know, that's just basically what he's saying over and over again, you know, is that Oklahoma would like us to consider all of these other things besides the tax, but that's not our job as the court. So let's talk about the implications of this ruling. What is the immediate impact of this decision on Oklahoma and the native tribes there? Yeah. So I think the first thing is that, you know, uh, Justice Gorsuch's language was very clear that he was just talking about Muscogee Creek Nation. And so I think the Mm. first question is, does it apply to just Muscogee Creek Nation or does it apply to five tribes in eastern Oklahoma that have a similar history? And it looks like the answer to that question is yes. Um, Pretty quickly, the attorney general of Oklahoma and the five tribes released their own statements and released a joint statement. So on the ground, it seems like everyone 
is interpreting it as applying to all five tribes, which is the Cherokee Nation, which I'm a member of, also Chickasaws, Choctaws, Seminoles, and of course, Muscogee Creek Nation. Um, you know, I think the most other immediate thing is that there is going to be a shift in criminal jurisdiction. And so now crimes that occur in this area where either the victim or the perpetrator is native or both are native, those crimes either need to be tried in tribal court or in federal court instead of in state courts. And so, you know, a lot of people panicked that, you know, this was going to sort of the sky was going to fall down, that this would just be this insane, it, it would just disrupt public safety in eastern Oklahoma. And, and those fears were really overblown. And I think we're already seeing on the ground how overblown they are. You know, I think what's going to happen is that, you know, some state courts are going to have less cases and tribal courts and federal courts are going to have more. But, you know, I don't think you have to get too imaginative to think about how those systems can solve that problem. So how about the larger impact of this ruling? What effect will it have on other states? Yeah, you know, again, um, the way that Gorsuch worded his opinion, he was very clear about which tribe and which treaty rights it applied to. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of language in there um, that I think will be a powerful tool in future cases um, for tribes to get lower courts to do the right things. You know, like you said in that, like the quote that you read, Gorsuch basically says, you know, this is sort of a familiar argument that, yes, this tribe has these treaty rights. But, you know, they haven't been followed in over a century. So you can't expect us as a court to uphold that. Like that was basically, you know, the gist of Oklahoma's argument. And Gorsuch firmly said no. And so there are a lot of really great passages in the decision that I think we'll see get quoted a lot in subsequent cases. So, Rebecca, your podcast, This Land, it grew from the examination of a very similar Supreme Court case, right? Yeah. And so basically, the Murphy case rose out of a very similar situation of a man named Patrick Murphy, who was actually um, sentenced to death by the state of Oklahoma, arguing in his appeals that Oklahoma didn't have the jurisdiction to prosecute him because, once again, Congress had never disestablished the reservation of Muscogee Creek Nation. So everyone was waiting for that decision to come down last term. And instead of deciding it, the Supreme Court actually punted it to the next term term. But instead of taking up Murphy, the court took up McGirt. And what had happened is that because the Murphy case had come up through the Tenth Circuit, um, Gorsuch had participated in a procedural vote. He didn't participate in the actual decision, mm -hmm. but he had participated in a procedural vote. And so sort of as a a custom of the court, he had recused himself from the Murphy case, but the McGirt case came from state court. And so he was able to participate. So, you know, you can't ever know what the Supreme Court, why it does what it does, because we don't have that kind of um, inside knowledge of the Supreme Court. But what it appears to be is that they wanted a case where they could have um, the full set of nine justices. And while we have you, Rebecca, this morning, the Washington professional football team said they're actually retiring their name. What was your reaction to that news? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, just joy and, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> with with the Dakota Access Pipeline, with the end of this racist mascot that Native people have been fighting for decades and the Supreme Court decision, it's it's one of those <laughs> one of those rare weeks where it feels like Native people are winning. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, this is the outgrowth of decades 
decades of activism, particularly from Native women like Suzanne Harjo, Amanda Blackhorse, Stephanie Freiberg. And so I think that it's just an important moment for people to realize, you know, this didn't come out of, you know, FedEx and um, a few corporate sponsors pressuring the team, although that's the way that they're trying to frame it, right? It came from decades of Native activists, you know, doing litigation, protests, petition, information campaigns, sociological research about the impact of the name. And so it's been a long time coming, but it's definitely welcome. Well, Rebecca Nagel is the host of This Land from Crooked Media, and her latest episode will be dropping this Thursday on the This Land feed. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's time for Meanwhile on the Internet, and today we have what may be the first banger to come at us from TikTok since last year's Old Town Road. Oh, wait, is this the song I think it is? (laughs) If you're thinking of the song F2020 from the Avenue B, you are correct, Hayes. If you haven't heard the song, here's some backstory. Singer Savannah Santos had a real rough week at the end of June. So with her bandmates, Sammy Bearden and Sam Backoff, Santos wrote and recorded this song. My cat died And a global pandemic took over my life And I put out some music that nobody liked So I got really sad and bored at the same time And that's why I'm like low-key Fuck 2020 Still sad, still ain't got no money So the trio tossed it up on TikTok, knowing that their team probably wouldn't approve of a song with this much swearing. But it turned out that TikTok also had a problem with the language and took it down. Avenue Beat told Forbes that when it was originally removed, their reaction was, quote, Wow, of course it got taken down because it's 2020. (laughs) But by then, it had already been seen more than 4 million times, according to Santos. And people just kept reposting it there and on other platforms. So that virality convinced them to finish the song and release it to the streaming platforms, which, uh, good. (laughs) Absolutely. This song slaps anthem of the goddamn year right there. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. I first heard this. As like on Twitter, like after it had been taken, I saw, I first heard it on Twitter. Someone had posted the TikTok video and I was like, this is going to be huge. It is because it's like, even though it's like specific to her, it's like, no, everyone understands that. This is like what this year has been. Everyone has had their own versions of everything she's saying. It is so entirely relatable to me. Right. Because I, I am among the people who was really excited for this year. I was so sure back in January that, yeah, you know what? This year, going to be good. We're going to make this work. I mean, why wouldn't it? It's 2020. That feels big and good, but it's big and bad. (laughs) I mean, actually, I would say high key. Fuck 2020. But that's just me. That's just my take. That's how I feel. Also, please don't milkshake duck girls. You guys seem really cool Avenue Beat. I, I I don't want you guys to like suddenly be, oh, I can't believe that they've been canceled already. <laughs> As of last Friday, you can stream F2020 by Avenue Beat on Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we talk about the looming eviction crisis with COVID-19 Eviction Defense Project founder, Zachary Newman. And remember, TikTok is making stars, so it's totally okay if you spend a quarter of your day there. It's just research. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. 
And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Thursday, February 10th. Kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player. Delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Presented by Nationwide and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022. Delivered with Uber Eats will be revealed. NFL Honors. Presented by Invisalign. Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.